The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a, what a powerful psalm uh, that we're walking through this summer. You, you're going to hear that psalm repeat all summer long. And, and, and what we want you to do is not grow tired of it, but begin memorizing it. Begin committing that to your heart um, so that when you hear it, you'll really understand. How cool would it be that by the end of this summer, we, every single person has Psalm 23 memorized? Uh, it would be as, how many of you have it memorized right now? Like, look, you've got to jump on everybody. Look at you. Gold star. Way to go. Um, we're going to jump into a week three of this series. Before I do, I just want to, want to say from, from my heart to yours this weekend, uh, tomorrow we celebrate Memorial Day. Um, it is a day off and uh, we do have time with family and do yard work, whatever it may be. But, but can I challenge you to take a moment and remember what this day is really about? It's about those who gave their lives so that we could have the freedom to have a day off, to live where we live. Take a moment, talk to your kids, take a moment and just reflect on what this, this holiday tomorrow is about, this day off, because so many gave their lives so that we could have so much. So don't forget that. We're jumping into uh, Psalm 23, kind of week three here. Pastor Rob and Lisa are in Hawaii. How many of you feel bad for them? They're on anniversary slash birthday trips, some, some, some well, much needed, much deserved time off. Um, they are on the beaches relaxing. How many of you wish you were there with them? Now, when I say that word relax, where do you go in your mind? How many of you are beach bums? Sleep. I heard somebody say sleep. Like, just stop right there. Amen. Just let that minister, let that preach to you. Uh, how many of you are like, like beach? When I think about relaxing time off, I'm a beach. How many, I, I love sitting in, swaying in a hammock with the breeze. Uh, just a nap in a hammock on a, on a summer day, man. How many of you are like, I, I want to be out in the woods or up in the mountains? There, there's people there for that. That speaks your language. It, because tomorrow's Memorial Day, kind of the kickoff of the summer, I want you just for a moment, wherever you're at, watching online in the chapel here, just close your eyes and go to that place. Just, just go with me. Go with me. Like, hey, I'm there. I'm in the hammock. I, I feel the breeze. There I am. When, when, when you think of that, what words come to your mind to describe how you feel in those moments? Yeah, comfortable, uh, rest, um, calm, quiet. Uh, maybe it's peace, but, but ultimately it's that rest. When we're on vacation, we get that much needed rest. Here is the problem with vacation. You have to come home. <laughs> you can't stay in Hawaii, Rob, if you're watching online. You got to come home. That, that's the problem. And what many of us do is we go on these vacations and we get rest as, as much needed R&R, &R, rest and relaxation. 
and we come home and immediately pick up all that stress and all that anxiety, all the fears and worries, and we go right back at it, don't we? Guilty, guilty. It, that, that we have all of this stuff, and, and we live in a society that's just busy, that's, that so much stuff is going on. There's, there's uh, anxiety and stress are higher than they've ever been in, in, in our culture. Let me tell you this. God has not intended for you to live life with stress and anxiety and fear and worry. I know you know that, but I need you to hear it again because what we're finding in the psalm over and over, David's gonna show us as he writes this, that God has not intended you to live with stress and anxiety. He wants to free you from that. He's the shepherd to provide. My main point and what you're gonna hear over and over in this message and what I want you to walk away with is this. Only when your eyes are on the shepherd will you find true rest. You're not gonna find it in a beach, and you'll find it temporarily. You're not gonna find it wherever that place you went, temporarily. But in life, God has planned that in the midst of all the stuff, you know, we are intended to work. The Bible tells us six days a week you should work, you should labor, we're intended to work. But in the midst of that, we can find peace. We can find rest. That is what David's writing here. But so often we don't let our shepherd lead us there, don't, right? So often we don't follow him to these places of green pastures. Let me read it to you. I'm only gonna read verse one and part of verse two. That's where we're gonna stop and we're gonna park for today. Pastor Rob set up the first two for us. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. The way that I have it uh, memorized is he makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't care how you have it memorized, but the idea is this. God's plan, the shepherd's plan is for us, the sheep, to lie down. And really, those are the two main objects in this psalm. Just kind of a quick review. If you've never read it, if you're just joining us, you've never picked up a Bible, David is writing this psalm. There's two two main, main characters. Number one is the shepherd. And the shepherd's characteristics are that he's caring and providing and guiding and rescuing and, and guarding and keeping. And who is the shepherd with all of those characteristics? David says it, the, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the shepherd. And then there's the second player, second person, object in this, and that is the sheep. The characteristics of the sheep, they're jumpy. They won't easily quiet down. They won't easily rest. Sheep aren't known as the smartest animals on the planet. (laughs) And here's the worst part. Who are the sheep? Put your head down and raise your hand. I don't like being known as the sheep. But if we're honest, there's more truth to that than we care to admit, isn't there? Jumpy, frightened, have a hard time providing for myself. I, I, I run, I, I find myself in, in, in danger more than I care to admit because of my own dumb mistakes. We, the sheep, need a shepherd. And David is writing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I have all that I need, and he makes me lie down in green pastures. What are these green pastures? These green pastures are these places in our soul where we find peace, where we find plenty, where we find abundance, where we find rest. 
these green pastures are, are not physical uh, uh, green meadows that, that you, you live in, but, but in my heart and my soul, in the midst of the world, I find places where the shepherd has led me, where there's peace. He leads us to these green pastures in order for us to what? Lay down. To lie down. And that, is, that means rest. That he leads us to these places where there's a lot of things we could be worrying about, scared about, anxious about. But he says, hey, sheep, I'm your shepherd. I got this rest. That's what, that's what David is writing here. And now, now we do understand David wrote this, and, and he, he wrote this later in his life. And, and what you can just imagine, what I picture is David just sitting there reflecting on his time as a shepherd. Reflecting back on the times when, when he fought the lion and the bear to protect his sheep where he went and rescued the sheep out, out of that pit, where, where he, he led his sheep to great places. And he says, as, as he's writing and he's thinking, God's laying on his heart, now David, I'm the shepherd and I did that for you. That is where we need to be in the midst of this. As I study Psalm 23, I love studying um, commentaries and theologians on many things. But when I study Psalm 23, not only do I do that, but one of my favorite resources to go to is this little book right here. It's called uh, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It's written by Philip Keller, an actual shepherd. <laughs> How many of you are shepherds? Probably not many. My guess is the closest you've been to a sheep is probably a petting zoo. We don't understand what, what David is really writing because most of us aren't shepherds. And when I read this book, I read it and I look through the lens of an actual shepherd, there is so much detail and depth in each stanza and each line of the 23rd Psalm. Philip Keller, a shepherd for many, many years, looks at this verse and he says this, the shepherd's job is to lead the sheep to lay down in green pastures. And in order for a sheep to lay down and rest in green pastures, they need four things. He writes, they need to be free from fear. They need to be free from friction with others of their kind. They need to be free from pests. And they need to be free from hunger. They need these things. They need the shepherd to provide these things so that the sheep can lay down and rest. Now listen, if you and I are the sheep, I think we would agree we need these things from our shepherd. Because on our own, I have a hard time with each and every one of those. My mind goes a million directions, pests, conflict, all these things. If we are these sheep, I think we need the same things. And I want to look at each four of those. The points today are really coming out of this book, but, but, but more importantly is the scriptures that this is the truth. This is what God, our shepherd, provides. We're going to look at scriptures, and we're going to look at these things, these four things that you and I need in order to be at rest in the world in which we live. Let's look at these one at a time. What do we need to be at rest? Number one, we need to be free from fear. This is kind of obvious, isn't it? Uh, uh, kind of an obvious statement, but fear and rest cannot coexist. You, you can't live your life in fear and ever understand what true uh, uh, a rest is like. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not a shepherd. I've said it and I'll say it over and over because I'm not, I don't claim to be. But what I read because I am a reader, I read that sheep are skittish and they, they run at their own shadow. 
They, they run in fear when there's a loud noise. And Philip Keller says he's, he's, he's seen a sheep that a, a rabbit jumps out from behind a bush and, wow, it's going to kill me. And they off they go. I read stories in, in, in other books about sheep that entire herds, when they're frightened, will run. And, and there, was, there was one particular herd that ran from fear that something's going to kill them right off of a cliff to their death. The entire herd. Herd mentality flying off cliffs. Now, I'm not going to be negative on the human race, but sometimes, am I right? Sometimes I'm guilty of this. Of just, ha! Everybody else is running this way. I don't know why, but let's go. It, fear causes us to do things we wouldn't other nor, nor, normally otherwise do. This, this, this fear and rest. If you're a parent, you understand this. Any parents ever have their kids cry out at night, I'm scared, I can't sleep. And as parents, what do we do? We go in and calm them. When my kids said this, I'd go in and pray with them and remind them, Jesus is here. And then a calm comes. That is what happens. Philip Keller writes that as he raises sheep and they get to know him and trust him, he said he's seen his herd in, in chaos and fear. And as soon as he steps foot in the pasture, they calm. The shepherd's here. He's got this. And they rest in the shepherd. Here, here's, what, here's what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Let me say that again. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if, if God has not given us that spirit of fear, where does fear come from? The enemy of your soul. Satan himself wants to get you to live in fear because you can go nowhere and you'll probably run to your death if he can get you to live in fear. Fear is not from God, period. End of story, you need to identify and recognize where fear comes from. He says, but what does God give us? He says he gives us power, love, and a sound mind. I wanna look at these really quickly. He says he gives us power. This word, if you do a word study on these, which I did as I studied, it means this. It means strength and ability. God gives us each and every day the strength to take the next step. He gives you the ability in the midst of all these things you should be fearing, you should be worrying about, you should be anxious about. He gives us the power to take another step. I don't have that strength. My shepherd gives it to me. And when my eyes are on the shepherd, I can keep going. He gives us the ability to love. This word means affection, goodwill, and benevolence. Benevolence and goodwill, what does that got to do with fear? Here it is. When we are busy loving and serving other people, we don't have time to recognize and spend time focusing on our own fears. Because my eyes are off myself. God gives us this ability to love other people. My kids or my family are in trouble. I'm going to put my, all, all those worries and fears aside and I'm going to go to the rescue. That ability that God gives us power, love. And then, then it says it gives us, uh, he gives us this spirit of a sound mind, which means this, self-control and moderation. The ability to control your mind, to not let it run through a million what-if statements. What if? Now don't raise your hand on this one, but how many of you are worst case scenario people? Don't raise your hand. Like, all you can think about is what is the worst case? What's the worst thing? If, if, I, if I go down that street, I may, I may die or, or get mugged. Or, or I don't want it, right? And your mind begins to race on all the things, the what ifs. What if, what if, what if? 
And it paralyzes us with fear. God has not given you that fear. He's given you, if we look to him, sound mind, the ability to have self-control and control our minds to trust him and to not go down all these what-if trails. Shepherd, Lord, I trust you. You got this. And your mind can be at calm. Rest needs to trump fear, but it only does when our eyes are on the shepherd. David writes this in Psalm 4.8, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. How many of you laid awake at night worrying about all things that you don't need to worry about? Memorize the scripture and repeat it. He says, for I, I, in peace I will lay down, for you alone. You remind yourself your strength is not gonna get you through but God will give you power, love, and a sound mind, and he alone will get you through. Can I ask you this question? Maybe you're here. Have you been struggling with fear? Has your mind been racing with all of these things? Can I invite you to look to the shepherd? Do you trust the shepherd? Can you look to him and, and lay down and sleep in peace because he alone keeps you safe? Can I invite you to turn your eyes to the shepherd? In order for us to rest, we need to be free from fear. In order for us to rest, number two, we need to be free from friction with others of our kind. We need to be free from conflict. Do I even need to preach that, right? Like conflict, we all know, and, and, and it's not something we love, yet it's so rampant in our society, isn't it? Everybody's finding reasons to conflict and fight with everybody else. We're fighting for what? Who knows, but I want to fight. People are ready to fight at the drop of a hat, aren't they? Now, now, I'm not a shepherd, but I have raised sheep or uh, 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 chickens for many, many years. And sheep are not smart and can take it from me, neither are chickens. <laughs> there are times I call it chicken TV. I'll just go out there and watch the chickens do dumb things. Like, you guys, wow. Um, of course, their brains are about the size of a pea. But still, is sheep, they have what's called a budding order a butting order, where they butt heads and, and the lead sheep then takes control. And, and chickens, I know they have what's called a pecking order. And they'll peck and peck and, and, and argue and squabble until one, one is the lead chicken. In that time when that's being established, there's chaos in the hen house. And it's crazy. They don't lay eggs. They, they're losing feathers. And, and they're trying to figure it out. And even when they get it figured out, that lead chicken is under so much stress to be the lead chicken and keep that role. He's got to fight for the best perch in the, in the hen house. He, this chicken, she's got to fight for, for all the, like, I go in there with, like, little treats and stuff. And, and she's got to be the first one there, kicking all the others aside and, uh, the, to the water, the best watering hole, the best feeding spot. And I'm in there, and I'm like, you dumb chickens. Don't you see I have a handful of this stuff? I got plenty. Yet the stress and anxiety, like, calm down. And, and so sneakily what I'll do is I'll feed the, the lead one and then go over here to these other ones. Like, here you go, here you go, and give them extra. Like, but the chaos and stress, they, they, they fight over position when they don't, need, they, they, they don't understand that, that I, the chicken keeper, I got enough. What are you fighting for? And that's the same with our conflict. We fight each other for, for really nothing at the end of the day. Let me tell you two truths. Number one is this. Truth number one, conflict flows out of our discontented hearts. We fight because we're not content with what we have or where we're at. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. I should be in front of you, and now I'm angry and road rage takes over. You fill in the blank, whatever the conflict may be. We fight for these things. 
Conflict flows out of discontented hearts. Truth number two is this. Discontented hearts are born out of comparison. When we start to look at what everybody else has, we become discontent with what we have. So, so we're this, this discontentment, now I gotta fight anybody and everybody because I gotta fight for some status or something I, I think I need. We look at social media and, and look at what everybody else has and realize we don't. We watch TV and say, that's what the American dream should be and realize I don't have it, so I gotta fight for it. And we argue and squabble for fighting for something we think we need in the end. That's not going to solve the problem because we're discontented to start with. Discontented hearts creates conflict. When I look at what other people have and get jealous and want to destroy other people, I I, I live in this place of conflict. That's why the the Tenth Commandment says, says don't uh, don't, uh, covet your neighbor's stuff. It's, it's a tenth, God, it's that important because covet, uh, coveting will kill you every time. We need to learn the secret of being content. Paul writes it this way in 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Philippians 4, 11 says this. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned. Underline that in your Bible. Highlight it on your Bible app. Whatever you may do. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What Paul is saying, he's saying, I have learned in my life how to be content. And I've learned it the hard way. It's a process, church. A process where each and every day I learn to trust the shepherd a little bit more. A little bit more. Contentment is only found in Christ. When we have our eyes focused on Jesus, it is impossible to be discontent and covet and want what everybody else has. I'm too busy looking at at my shepherd. And conflict slowly goes away. Can I invite you, if you're living in a a, a life of, of, of conflict and arguing and discontented heart, I wanna invite you this morning to look to the shepherd because he leads you, he lets you lie down in green pastures. That's what he does. We, we, need, we need to be free from conflict. Number three is this, we need to be free from pests. How many of you love mosquitoes? <laughs> Raise your hand. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, no one. What's, uh, mosquitoes are terrible, what's sometimes almost worse is those little noceum bugs, right? You don't even see them and they're landing and biting you. Like I. I don't even know where to slap. Ah, ah. And, and when these, these things swarm you, what, what do you do? You're constantly, it's like, that is the very picture of stress and anxiety, isn't it? Like, ah, they're everywhere. And you just think about the, the bugs crawling on your skin. How many of your skin's crawling right now? Just me saying it. You're like, ah, I think I felt one right there. These pests are, are we, in order for us to rest, we need to, 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 to be free from pests. What are these, spiritually speaking, what are these pests that are just annoying us and driving us to anxiety and, and, and chaos? As I think about it, I think for us, sometimes these, these pests are the voices in your head telling you over and over and over, you're nothing, you're no good, nobody can love you, you'll never measure up, you'll never measure up to what God has for you. These voices that keep putting you down over and over. Maybe for you, the, the, the pests are that, that addiction that, you, that you're trying hard to fight. Yet it's right there at your side. 
And you're trying so hard, but these temptations are there. And you're like, it's driving me crazy. I keep trying to swat it away. Oh, God, I need you to help me. Paul writes about this. He's, he has these same things. He talks it, about it like it's his thorn in his flesh is what he calls it. This thing that just won't leave my side. He says, he says this in 2 Corinthians 12. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. This is driving me crazy. Each time God said this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Paul goes on to write, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that in the power of Christ, it can work, the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul is saying is these pests are gonna swarm. Look to God. He's your grace. Here's what, what shepherds would do when, when the pests are bad in the summertime and they're just driving the sheep crazy. What, what the shepherd will do is he'll take the sheep and he'll take uh, chemicals and oil, uh, and uh, oil in, in the Old Testament, oil in old times, and he'll pour it on the sheep's head. And it runs down the sheep's head, the ears and nose and eyes, because with that oil, the pests can't land on those vulnerable spots. And a good shepherd will care for his sheep this way. Any time that you hear about that kind of an, an anointing oil in the Bible, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that God has given us for peace. It's the day of Pentecost. I don't know if you know what that means, but it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think for some of you, you need to allow the good shepherd to cover you with the anointing of the Holy Spirit for peace, for calm, for rest, to calm those voices, to quiet those voices in your head and heart, to give you strength to fight these temptations. It's not on your own. Look at me. The shepherd's got you. Turn your eyes to the shepherd. And he anoints your head with oil. It's a psalm, it's a part of the psalm later. We're gonna get to it later this summer. Hint, hint, teaser. This is what it's about. Can I invite you, if those voices are running crazy in your head, turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. And fourth and finally, what do we need in order to rest? We need to be free from hunger. We need to be free from hunger. What does that mean for us? It, it, yes, for sheep, they need the plenty of food. What does that mean for us? Because David's writing about more than just actual physical food. He's writing about that spiritual place where we have, have plenty, where God has given us that peace. He, here's what happens with sheep and shepherds. A good shepherd what they'll do is when the sheep are down in the winter in the barn in the safety of, of the pastures, of, of the pens down below, a good shepherd will go up to the fields ahead of the sheep during the winter and they will scan that green pasture and they will begin, as a good shepherd will, to prepare that pasture for winter. They, they will move big rocks and get them out of the way. The, the good shepherd will fill the holes, will scan the fields for, for hazards and, 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 and danger and, and take care of it early. Get the field all ready for when spring comes, the grass and the flowers can grow. And at the right time, the shepherd will lead the sheep out of the pen up to the green. And they will have all that they need. 
And this is so important for, for shepherds. They do this in, in these times and, and in that culture and in that, that, uh, that, that place. They will lead the sheep up there when the, uh, the mama sheep have had babies. They've, been, they've lambed. And for, for the mama sheep to feed the lambs, the milk they need to survive, the mama needs enough nutrition coming in in order to have the milk to go out. And when this is done right, what happens is, is the, the, the sheep, the mama have enough, the babies have enough, and each generation they can have, have, have health, have sustenance, have plenty of food. Plenty up there. That is what a good shepherd does. And then when the, this, it happens perfectly and the field is done right, they call that field a field flowing with milk. They call that field flowing with milk because the mama sheep have enough to sustain the next generation who will grow into health to sustain the next generation. They call it flowing with milk. Have you heard that term before somewhere? In the Old Testament, book of Exodus, God is leading his people and he says, I'm leading you to a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what he's talking about. That's what they would understand. You see, he's flowing with milk so there's enough to sustain generations. Flowing with, with, with honey just simply means the wildflowers are growing so well the bees can land, get enough pollen, and create enough honey. Like, like these two things. God has said, Israelites, I want to lead you to this land. Church, he wants to lead you to a place in your soul that's flowing with milk and honey. The problem is, once we get there, we, a lot of times you and I take our eyes off of the shepherd and we try to do this ourselves. And what happened in the Old Testament is similar to what happens now. It says in the book of Judges, when the Israelites were in this land, Judges 2.10 says, another generation grew who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. They took their eyes off the shepherd. And I'm preaching this point here for those of us who fall into these traps of trying all this stuff on our own and we begin to take our eyes off of the shepherd. The one who gives us peace, rest, who's prepared these fields. And in some way, shape, or form, we say, God, I don't need you anymore. I think I can do this now. And we are sheep. Remember, we go straight to danger. Here today, maybe you're, you're watching, you're in this room. And it's been a while since you've looked at the shepherd. You've tried on your own and things just feel empty, lacking. I want to implore you and invite you. Will you look at the shepherd again? Will you listen to his voice? Because he's the one who wants to bring you freedom from fear. He's the one who wants to bring you freedom from friction and conflict. He's the one that wants to bring you freedom from pests and freedom from hunger. I close with this question. How are you doing with rest and peace? Or is stress and anxiety taken over? Are you following the rest of the world into the anxious places? I want to invite you back to listen to the voice of the shepherd. John writes this in John 10, 27. Talking to him. I know him and they follow The sheep listen to my voice. They follow me. Are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? God's intent for you is not to live in stress and anxiety and fear and worry. 
and chaos. The world lives that way. You have a better and greater shepherd. And I invite you this morning to look to him and find the peace that passes all understanding. That we as sheep of the good shepherd live a little bit different. We live a little bit different. What scares the world doesn't scare us. Because I know the shepherd's God. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. Tomorrow, but what worrying, what I know is worrying is not going to add a single day to my life. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own, the Bible tells us. Today and tomorrow and the next day, I'm going to look at the shepherd. Because when he steps foot in the pasture, there's calm in my heart. I want to invite you to that. Maybe today as I close. Maybe today you don't know this Jesus. You don't know this Jesus who's your shepherd, who's watching you, who's calling for you. I'm going to say a prayer. And I just pray that your ears are open to hear him calling you. That you would say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You are my shepherd and I will follow. Maybe that's you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Maybe you're here and, and you say, yeah, Adam, this fear and these voices and this conflict, all this, got it, that's me. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. You say, Jesus, I need peace. Maybe, maybe you just, you say, hey, my th- things are good in my life. Things are, but I could use more. <laughs> I, could, I could be a little closer to the shepherd. If you are in any of these places, I'm going to ask you to do something. With everybody looking around, would you just stand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Would you just say, I need a little more peace in my life. I need Jesus. Me and my family. I need a little more than what I had yesterday because this world is destroying my family. I need a little more Jesus. I need a little more peace. My life has been going good. Listen, I'm a pastor. I study, I, I study the word of God, but I need more peace. So, so everybody's standing. I'm standing with you because I need it. I'm tired of the world having its louder voice than Jesus, than my shepherd. And I want my ears to be turned to him. I'm going to say a prayer for you. And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is going to anoint you and give you peace today. He's going to give you rest as you follow him. I'm going to pray. I'm going to let Jesus do the work within us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to hear your truth. God, I pray for anybody in this room who wants to make that first step to become a follower of Jesus. Today would be their day. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I will follow you. God, I pray for each and every person right now in this room who's standing with me. I pray you would anoint them. You would pour your spirit out over them that there would be rest and and we would follow you and your voice to lay down pastures. Thank you, Jesus, for being the good shepherd. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to ask everybody else, would you stand with me? We're going to close in a song. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. If you need somebody to pray with you, they're going to pray with you. But let's take a moment before you leave. We'll dismiss in a moment. And let's let Jesus speak the voice of the good shepherd over your life.